Welcome to the One Question Podcast, brought to you by Wabi Sabi Studios. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, and I love having unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. It's a huge passion of mine, so much so that I wrote a few books a while back that challenge people's notion on living a life more unconventionally. This entire podcast stems around one question. If there was one topic you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? I think if we engage with one another and we have a greater sense of protecting this planet rather than just for ourselves, it really makes it exciting and it makes it enjoyable and it makes it something that you want to do together. In 2018, Lottie DL made a long list of New Year's resolutions, but to her surprise and great delight, one of them actually stuck. She made it so broad that it could not work. That resolution was to reduce waste and be kinder to the planet. Simple, right? It was so much harder than she thought. Lottie struggled to find credible information for people who were just getting started. When she decided to order six stainless steel straws online, they came individually wrapped in plastic. (laughs) Frustrating. So rather than being disheartened, she saw an opportunity. The opportunity to help Australians reduce their waste with trusted products and even better information. Education is at the forefront of everything that Lottie does in order to positively impact the habits of individuals and larger organisations. She was a finalist in the Sydney City New South Wales Business Chamber Awards in 2018 and 19 for Young Entrepreneur of the Year and Startup Superstar and was named one of Kentucky's 35 Under 35 Changemakers in 2019. In 2020, Lottie delivered a TED Talk called The Power of Community in Fighting Climate Change. It's a really good one to watch, so, uh, you know, take the time to actually go and have a look at that as well. And in 2021, she was named as one of Australia's top 50 people in e-commerce in 2021, and she won Business New South Wales Sydney Metro Young Entrepreneur of the Year with Banish taking out the Sustainable Excellence Award and winning Overall Business of the Year. Lottie is an absolute powerhouse, as you can hear with all those awards. She's a really interesting human, and I cannot wait to get stuck in to chat to her. Lottie, it is so lovely to have you here on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat more. Well, if there is one thing that you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? I think that it is the power of individuals in fighting for climate change and a more sustainable future. I think right now there's just so much doom and gloom and we can all feel so alone and feel like there is, yeah, just no hope. But I think that as individuals, we've just, yes, so much power. Yeah, it's a really good topic and um, obviously very topical at the moment. There's so much stuff in the news every day about this. But I think your point's really valid because as Australians, you know, we're a pretty small population versus the rest of the world. And I hear a lot of people sort of go, well, what difference are we going to make, you know, with the billions of others that are polluting the planet? And what difference is it going to be with me having a plastic straw or not? And I'm like, I'm with you. I feel that every little difference that we make makes a knock-on effect, right? So why is it this is something that you're so passionate about and how did you kind of really get into this field? I want to dig into more about your business and stuff as well. It was a very strange journey actually to starting Banish, not really 
one that many people have a very similar story to, but I was actually writing down a very, very long list of New Year's resolutions like many people do at the start of 2018. And it was to start running marathons and to become better at Spanish and all of these random things. But one of them was to do better for the planet. And it wasn't really a smart goal. It didn't really have any like tangible tick boxes or anything like that on it. But I just knew back in 2018, I could kind of, I was starting to see the news headlines about kind of the doom and gloom around the environment and what was happening. I was starting to become a bit more aware of the overconsumption that we were kind of engaging in. And I just thought, well, I think I can probably do a bit better than I'm doing right now. And it wasn't until kind of February that I actually started looking seriously at my New Year's resolutions. And I went, okay, let's tackle this planet one. Let's just start small. So I kind of just did a really, really simple Google search. I was about to have a smoothie and pop a plastic straw into that smoothie at home. And I went, okay, well, like, what's the best reusable straw? Really simple question, really easy. So I just typed it into Google and there was no easy and simple and straightforward answer. And I was a journalist at the time and it took me a good kind of hour and a half to two hours of digging to go through all of the kind of life cycle assessments and to look at kind of where they come from. And when you are finished with a stainless steel straw versus a silicon straw, what's going to happen to it? And what about bamboo straws? There was just so much information and there just wasn't really an easy answer. So I did all my digging. I did all my research because I do enjoy that, but I eventually decided that stainless steel straws were the best option for me. So then I did my research into finding a sustainable business to support, purchased five straws, and then they came a couple of days later individually wrapped in plastic. And I just went, oh my gosh, I've just spent all of this time, all of this effort. And like the whole thing is I'm trying to reduce my plastic consumption. You've just given me more plastic. And I just went, oh my gosh, what am I doing? This is so difficult. This is so hard. I was trying my hardest to do the right thing, but you just made it so difficult for me that I don't really want to do it, to be honest. But instead of kind of dwelling in that overwhelm, I saw an opportunity. I went, hang on, I know I'm not the only person who feels like this. I know I'm not the only person who wants to do something better for the planet, but doesn't really know where to start. And that's when I kind of thought, well, hang on. When I was doing my research into making other sustainable swaps, again, it was taking hours and hours and hours. But when I would find these sustainable brands that were doing the right thing, they were amazing. And they they were hand sewing their own dishcloths. They were making all of these cleaning products by hand and they were doing all of these great things. But because they were doing all of that hard work, they didn't really have a way to market themselves to mass audiences. So everyday individuals like me couldn't find them. So I thought, well, hang on, why don't we join all of these different elements together? I'm really great at educating and teaching people and I can decipher all of this research and this information. And then I could connect people with these amazing brands who are doing the right thing and give them a platform to connect with so many users and so many other Australians. So that is the very long story about kind of how I came to start Banish. But I think it's quite relatable because it is that whole thing about an individual going, hang on, this isn't right, but I'm not alone and I can make a difference and I can help other people. And now we're able to educate kind of those people who 
don't want to kind of live off the grid and never use plastic ever again. They're the everyday person who goes, yes, I can be doing better for the planet, but I don't know how to start. And I also want it to be made really easy for me. So it doesn't really take much effort. So you can just kind of make those simple switches or learn how to recycle right or start composting or do those little bits that together will really make a big difference. Yeah, amazing. And I think, you you know, the story is a really interesting one, as you say, like because it's a straw is such a simple little thing compared to some of the bigger things that we have to make decisions about. So starting, as you say, small like that and the research and the process you had to go through. So helping people to mitigate that, I think, is a wonderful thing. So for those that don't know about Banish, what what is it that you supply on the site now? Like, so that was when you started. What does it look like today? And what are the kind of things that you help people with? Yeah, so Banish is an education platform and an e-commerce marketplace as well. So we've got over 600 products from 75 Australian businesses on there, but we also have so much education. So we have e-books, but we also do a lot on social media around recycling and composting and energy. And we're just really kind of targeting those people who, like I just said before, want to do something, but they're not really sure where to start. But then we will also go on that journey with you to help teach people. And again, just make it so easy. So it's definitely grown a lot since 2018. Um, And we now also have the Bride program, which is the Banish Recycling and Disposal Program which recycles hard to recycle items for our community. So why I started that two years ago was because I kind of was, I'd been doing it. I'd been doing all of the things that I was, I was practicing what I was preaching and I was still getting those items at the end of the month that were in my landfill bins. So things like blister packs and beauty products and bread tags. And I was going, well, hang on, is there a solution for these? How can these be recycled? So again, I did all my research and I did find some amazing Australian recyclers that would accept these types of items. So I went, well, I've been looking for a way to give back to the Banish community. I wasn't sure whether it was going to be kind of a donation or planning a tree for every order. And I went, well, this program means that I can engage and I can educate with our audience, which again is what our biggest aim is, but it also provides them with a service and that meaningful opportunity to actually be able to dispose of these hard to recycle items. So that now, yeah, launched two years ago and it's just completely yeah, transformed what we're doing. It's beautiful. And I mean, a lot of the stuff that you do is just on the side and about educating, which is amazing. And so people need to check it out. It's yeah, a wonderful resource for people. But also, I think the thing that I found is, you know, making a small difference to your point about every individual can make a difference. It's that education piece that I don't know, there's a fair bit of greenwashing, I guess, you know, and people kind of get a little bit confused about stuff. But some people get defensive about, well, you know, you're not really making a difference. And what does it matter? Or, you know, you've got an EV, like an electric vehicle, but he's still plugging into, you know, the wall of which is powered by coal. So, you know, it kind of defeats the purpose. So I'm curious about how you help people navigate those sort of spaces. My kind of advice to people is actually just every little bit you do makes a difference and it helps. And you don't have to be a martyr about it either. Just do what you can do. You you know, some people can't do everything. And there are some elements in their life that go, oh, shit, I still have got a bit of plastic or I'm still, you know, not quite using this environmentally as good as I could. But you've got to live as well. And so it's nice that you are consciously making a difference and the ball starts to get rolling, doesn't it? And you find that actually it gets easier and easier. That's the biggest thing is that as individuals, we can all have a really big collective impact. 
But one thing that I like for people to focus on is kind of focus on what you can control and not what you can't. So you might be a renter, so you can't control the fact that you will probably never have solar because your landlord won't invest in it. But you can control the amount of waste that you produce for your household. Or you might be somebody who, I don't know, works in a really random location that doesn't have access to public transport. So that's not available to you. But you could also remember to use your reusable coffee cup every day or you could reduce your meat consumption. I think it's very easy to compare yourself to one another and to see people online or even just your friends and your family and kind of say, look at, oh, look at all the amazing things that they're doing. But then you might not have seen like all of the fast fashion that they purchased yesterday. So I think it's really hard, but I would really encourage people to yeah focus on yourself and not compare yourself to others, but also just look at what you're purchasing next or what maybe you don't need to actually purchase that item. Or when you do go to the grocery store, kind of use your dollar as your voting power. So it's things like supporting brands who are doing the right thing. And just to your point before, I know there is so much greenwashing out there and I definitely get caught by it myself. And I'm technically a sustainability expert and they Their marketing is so good sometimes that it gets me and I get home and I look at an item and then I do my research and I go, oh, my gosh, I got conned. That's ridiculous. (laughs) That's so good to hear, though, Lottie, (laughs) for us mere mortals that are struggling through this. And I think that's the thing to navigate that space. Exactly. But I think it's also then about just kind of dusting yourself off and going, well, you know what? Like I might have been conned this time, but I also made three other purchases or I'm also doing this now. Like, Acknowledge how far you've come as well because when you get so into it and so into the kind of making all of these changes and these sustainable swaps, you then forget what you used to consume and how much you used to produce and all of these different things. So I think my biggest thing is kind of, yeah, focusing on what you can control but also looking at your purchasing power. And I think as individuals we really do influence brands more than we actually think. It's things like, When you, I don't know, go to the supermarket and you purchase an item that's in a paper packaging or no packaging at all over plastic packaging, you are sending a message to that big brand and that big company that you don't want that kind of packaging available. And when you do start using the bus more and the buses get fuller, so then the local areas need to then add more public transport to the network, that is all a good thing. I think We can look to big brands to create changes, but at the end of the day, they're businesses and they're going to be directly influenced by what we're doing. So it's like if we kicked and screamed and we said, oh, we want, I don't know, all of these different brands to go completely plastic free, they go plastic free and then nobody purchases from them. They're going to quickly revert back to all of the plastic packaging again. So I think There's a lot of conversation about brands at the moment as well. Like they'll come out and they'll say something like, oh, we've got a target of getting to net zero by 2050. And yes, that is very slow and way too slow from kind of what it should be. But also acknowledging the fact that they're on a journey and that they've come out and they've made that pledge is also a good thing. So I think it's almost like I know this is ridiculous and they are massive brands and they're massive conglomerates. But we need to also praise the fact that they are being transparent and that they are acknowledging that they do have a long way to go. And they're saying, this is where we're at. This is where we want to go. Rather than just saying, well, that's not good enough. You could be doing better. We can then say, like, if they get lots of publicity off the back of that, and then there's lots of press, then their marketing teams are going to go, great. What else could we be doing to cause a stir? What else could we be doing here? And I think it's so easy to criticize 
but it makes so much more of a difference if we complement. I think it's a really good point. And it kind of leads me to ask you about the role of, you know, government councils, you know, the greater good, if you're talking about the community, in things like recycling or even composting. Because I know where I live, we've been trying to get the local council to do a composting for the street. And I've seen it in lots of places around the world that do this really, really well. And I'm like, why have we not been able to do this for so long? Especially to to your point, like if people are renting or they don't have the space to have a, you know, full-fledged compost, I try to look little baby one once and because I don't really have a lot of space in the garden and but yeah it was a disaster <laughs> to be honest <laughs> and so I was like okay I need another solution what's your take on that like in terms of the involvement of our greater governments and stuff in this space as well yeah I think that it makes my job really difficult <laughs> because every single local council in Australia has their own waste contracts which means that where you are, Michelle, and where I am have a completely different recycling system. So what I can put in my recycling bin, you might not be able to, or I, for example, have a separate paper bin, whereas you don't have that in your local area. So it's really confusing from an education perspective, especially if people are moving around and they might work in a different council area or they might see what their friend's doing or they, yeah, they've just moved. So That is really confusing, but I think what is exciting that's happening at a federal and a state level is that we're seeing a lot more legislation happening around kind of what is the expectation and what needs to be provided from a waste perspective. So, for example, what you were just talking about with the compost bin for your street, there will be FOGO rolled out across, I think it's, I definitely think it's New South Wales, it might be the whole of Australia by the end of 2024. One of those. I do remember reading something, but again, my point was that was why is it taking so bloody long? Well, the thing is, (laughs) the thing is they don't have the, yeah, they don't have the infrastructure right now to process it. So if they were to start collecting all of this organic matter from everybody around around Australia, then where are they going to put it? And it's just going to go into a landfill bin. So it's kind of a bit like that. It's a bit difficult from that perspective. So they're kind of trying to build Rome in a day by building all of these great facilities on Australian shores, which is really exciting. But it also means at the moment that some people will have access to FOGO and then the others won't as well. So I think there's packaging targets in Coles and Woolworths, how much plastic packaging is going to be, like that's all coming into play. A lot of the big conglomerates are joining up to what's called the APCO Pact. The Australian Packaging Covenant have kind of released this plastics pact, which is all about what are we going to change in the design process around designing out waste, which I think is also really exciting. So that's fun to see. We've got the Australasian Recycling Label, which is going to be rolled out on most products in supermarkets by the end of 2023. So there's all of these things that are happening It's just kind of that thing where we're all so eager, we're all so excited that we all want it to happen yesterday. But also when you think about it from a waste perspective, if all of these big brands have already printed on all of these different pieces of plastic to wrap and package all of your products, we actually don't want those going to landfill either. So we need them to use up that first before they then start adding on all of these extra labels. So I think the short way to answer your question is that there is stuff happening that the individuals don't see. But again, it's just one of those things that it's just going to take a little bit longer than we anticipated. So in the meantime, rather than wait for somebody else to fix it, we can kind of take control of our impact and of our actions and do something about it. 
Yeah, it's fabulous and wonderful to hear. And as I'll put all um, that information in the show notes and stuff as well that you've just talked about there. Lots of acronyms and lots of different organisations, but it's good to get across. What about the case? So is this going to mitigate the problems where, you know, we see on those sort of TV shows, you know, the big waste and all that sort of stuff about all our waste being offshored? Is that stuff getting tackled now and that we're not, you know, shipping our problem, I guess, to another country that doesn't have the ability to deal with it like Australians? So it's actually illegal for us to export our waste now. So we councils cannot send anything overseas. So that's kind of this issue that we fall back on now is having all of these items that need to be recycled and not having the facilities to recycle them. They're definitely coming up and they're definitely not just going to landfill. They are waiting to be processed. But I think the biggest thing in all of this is rather than blaming governments and organisations for not having the right recycling facilities to handle our waste is to create less waste. Recycling is not the answer. It's not something that we should be focusing on. What we should be focusing on is reducing our consumption in the first place. So rather than demanding the fact that soft plastics should be able to be recycled in your curbside bin, it's kind of going, well, no, take a step backwards. Why are you consuming so many soft plastics? When it comes to a needing FOGO and wanting to have somewhere to put all of your food scraps and your food waste, well, hang on, what can you be doing to reduce your food waste? Yeah, love it. I think it's a, you know, really good points on that sort of stuff. So good for people to keep in mind and to think about their own waste and how they're navigating that. So I want to go back then to your, you know, the conversation at the start and how you said about individuals making a difference together, you know, which was the reason why you started Banish, which would have been bloody hard, I imagine, like to start a business like that. And then you started it not long after then, you know, COVID hit, which would have made it really interesting. How, if someone wants to make a difference in any space, you know, not just necessarily in in the space that you're working in, but what's your advice to them? That whole mantra about one person can really make a difference and your point about, you know, stop being so individualistic, you know, look at community, create community, be part of community. Talk to me a bit more about that and and what um, advice you have for others that want to navigate this. Well, I think, yeah, what I was saying when I first started about having feeling overwhelmed and alone and like I was the only one fighting this battle, there are so many other people out there who also feel like you. So I think as individuals, if we can band together and we can really make changes and make a difference, and I think for me, a lot of the actual best sustainability principles aren't actually innovative. They're not new technologies. They're going back to what we used to do. So it might be things like borrowing from friends and family, giving excess food to neighbours, carpooling to work or walking and being a part of your community. And I think if we engage with one another and we have a greater sense of protecting this planet rather than just for ourselves but for our community and for the people that live within it, it really makes it exciting and it makes it enjoyable and it makes it something that you want to do together. And I think by joining as individuals, we can have such an amazing impact. I know in my local area, there are compost bins on the on median strips everywhere. I don't even know who owns them, but I know that they're there and I know that everybody engages with them and uses them and kind of food scraps. Oh, that's yeah. beautiful. You're in Bondi, aren't you? I didn't realise that. That's fantastic. It's how they do it in Italy. They have a like a centre where you take all the rubbish and they've got like seven different bins and one of them is a compost part. I love it. Like in these little towns, it's how they kind of do all that sort of stuff. It's fabulous. Exactly. And that was probably just one person whacking a bin 
on a piece of grass or a piece of land and then look at the impact it has. And it's like my point as well about if you go to your coffee shop with a reusable coffee cup, yes, nobody else in that line might be using a reusable coffee cup, but you're also sending a message to everybody else in that line to say, hang on, I've got one of those at home. I could remember it tomorrow. Or leading by example, they might have asked during COVID if they could use that coffee cup and then they've said no and then they feel like they were rejected and they don't want to do it again. But it's all of these little subliminal things that we can be doing that really make it okay and make people kind of go, hang on, I can do this. It's like if you're having a picnic with friends, maybe it's saying everyone bring up your own plate. It's just these simple basic things that aren't going to break the bank. They're not going to feel like you're actually conquering climate change, but they do all make such a big difference and they kind of have that roll-on and that knock-on effect when you kind of go, oh, that picnic the other day, we all bought our reusable plates. Why don't we start doing that, I don't know, at Christmas and do and all of these little bits and pieces, I think, it's again, it comes back to I don't like being prescriptive and telling everybody they need to do one thing because I think everybody lives such a different lifestyle and everybody's at such different points in their sustainability journey. But my biggest thing is just to take that action, take that step that you have been meaning to do or that you thought was too hard. Just give it a go and hopefully it will work. And if it doesn't work or if you get greenwashed and you fall into the booby trap, just kind of dust yourself off and try again. Yeah, it's great advice. And Lottie, so lovely to talk to you today. I just, um, I really enjoyed listening to your vision about this stuff and the work that you're doing with Banish is amazing. So everyone needs to check it out and uh, learn more from you because, uh, yeah, there's just a ton of information there that I think will help to clarify a lot of that stuff for people that, you know, you get a bit confused by. So thanks so much for coming on the show. It's just gorgeous to chat. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. And if anybody has any questions, then please reach out and let me know. Beautiful. Thanks, Lottie. Well, there you have it. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. If you did like it, can I ask a small favour? Please rate and review on your listening platform for me. I know everyone asks this, but it seriously makes a difference to help get these conversations out in the world and makes all the hard work and effort I put into this for you all the more worthwhile. And until next time, if you have one question you'd like to ask me, hit me up on my socials or jump on my website, michellejcox.com.